This is where we hold them. This is where we fight. the rack podcast featuring brooklyn rob and big mike rob what's good homie yo man we haven't been on it seems like in uh pretty pretty long time because we, we didn't go live yeah, well yet. let me I'll, let me explain why we didn't come on on thursday i i probably owe the people an explanation is someone giving us money did oh, Nico, Nico just send us money? I don't know. For EJ, Nico, seriously, EJ. you don't have to send us money, bro. That's cool, bro. I appreciate that, though. When did we get that? I don't know. <laughs> you guys, you I've never seen that before. Wow, that's interesting. All right, well, you know, if anybody wants to send us money, go ahead. Uh, we don't need it though, so uh, not not out here, not out here looking for for tips on the podcast. But here's why I wasn't able able to come on on Thursday. Because Super Bowl Sunday, I went to Parks Casino to play some poker because I had some time to kill. And for the first time ever in my life, I ran super hot at a poker table. And it was amazing. And I won a high hand drawing that they had. Uh, I had the highest hand in the room for a half hour. So it paid 250 bucks, uh, four sevens. First hand, I sat down. New tape, brand new table. First hand, I get dealt 7-7. Seven, 7-7 seven. Seven, seven comes out on the flop. Guy's betting into me. I take the guy's whole stack. I double up first hand, and I win the high hand jackpot for 250, right? So because I won that high hand jackpot for 250, uh, there was a drawing. Third, There were three drawings Thursday nights uh, for uh, $5,000 at 6, 8, and 10 uh 6 8 and 10 p.m so yeah i wanted to go and see if i could hit one of the drawings so i went to parks casino thursday night played some more cards did not hit any of the five thousand dollar drawings and lost another few hundred playing poker so terrible night but all good you know uh i enjoy playing i love playing poker you know if i don't i've mentioned that a couple times on the show i think but if you're new around here, you might not be aware. But, yes, you will catch me at Parks Casino uh, from time to time playing some cards. So, sorry. That's why I couldn't come on Thursday night. But we're back here tonight, Rob. And, uh, yeah, we got a packed show for the people. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be in the, probably doing some overtime tonight, I would imagine. Um, yeah, we're undoubtedly going into overtime tonight. Uh, among other things, we have, we're have we doing the raffle tonight. Okay, shout to all the people that – uh, donated to the raffle of the Belmo items. Uh, I have the raffle all set up on my screen here, ready to go. Um, so we're going to do that tonight. We're going to preview the TOC tonight, right? Uh, we are going to talk about some betting with the TOC. We're going to review the Jack the Jackson Open, okay? Uh, and you know we have some league review, final thoughts, worst of the week. So we're giving you uh, we're giving you the whole rundown tonight. We'll be back on Thursday. Yes, we'll be back on Thursday again. Yeah, so I think the 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 way the show is we're gonna do it moving forward is Thursday, since the time change just hit last night, 
Thursday nights will be 8 p.m. Eastern, so 5 p.m. Pacific or West Coast. Sundays, we're going to do an hour earlier. That way, Mike doesn't have to be up too late. I know he, you know, goes. I go to work Monday, but I'm on West Coast right now. So uh, we'll do 4 p.m. Uh, West Coast, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sunday night shows. So Sunday nights will be an hour early for the people. Uh, David, how, I how you feeling? That- I, I I beat COVID again for the third straight time. I'm the COVID. I'm the COVID warrior. My antibodies are like the soldiers from 300 and like Leonidas. Uh, they've been in a battle all with the COVID, but I appreciate it. Feeling feeling great. Um, yes, uh, we might have a special guest until the guest actually shows up in our. Uh, yeah, we don't promote guests here until they're actually in our room waiting to come on the show. <laughs> we will not say if we were having a guest or not um it's always it looks, a surprise at sweep the rack it looks promising though tonight so i'm uh, hoping we have a special guest come on and uh yeah um a little news for me is i'm actually closing on a house this week so uh that's the big news for me mike finally if anybody knows me uh knows that i've moved a lot in my life um i've moved all over the country i've moved everywhere i could probably everywhere you probably, I probably know so many people just from moving around. Uh, it is ending. My move streak is ending. So I will be buying a house this week. And uh, yeah, my background is going to look a lot different um, probably in about a month uh, when I get it settled in. And it's going to be that Cliff Kingsbury, that Cliff Kingsbury background. If I can, if I can get the Wi Fi from the backyard, man, I might do some uh, shows from the backyard. It'll be pretty sweet. Uh, uh, I got a nice backyard out there. So, yeah, no, I appreciate it, Dave. Uh, yeah. So, um, Mike, let's talk a little bit of league review. I'll get into my league review while, while I'm, I'm talking. Um, league review. So, more importantly, we got a table this last week. Uh, if anybody knows the ongoing drama with me and the tables, uh, I have been really hard on Bolero and the fact that half the league has tables like where we could actually sit and eat and drink. Um, my guy TQ shouts to TQ. I'm not sure if he's here in the chat. He pops in every once in a while, showed up at 4 PM. Keep in mind, practice goes on at 6:15. My guy shows up at 4 PM to get us a table. The hell does he, he do for two hours and 15 minutes? TQ. Um, he what do you do? He practiced. Okay. Uh, he threw some games. Uh, okay. He, uh, you know, uh, dropped his stuff on a table. He went to the taco place next door, got some food. You know, he hung out, uh, messed around out there. But uh, the crazy thing is, Mike, wild, right? When we were at the table, two things happened. One, the guys on my team bought food and drinks, which they never do. Shocker, right? Um the other part of it is, man, we actually felt like a team. I mean, we didn't win. We we, we, we we bowled pretty crappy, but it was a lot more fun for us to be able to actually all sit together at a table. So uh, anyway, me personally, you know, nothing nothing great, 675. Um, is, you know, the same old uh, story there, 250 the first game, and then just 2 team, 2-0, can't strike for two games. Uh, got our asses kicked, uh, bowled a lefty. Uh, personally, bowl the lefty who bowled like 790 against me uh, using that like new widow 2.0 looks really good. Um, just completely like just caved them in. I mean, he really should have shot 279, 300 was last two. Uh, big booming lefty, just you know. So, anyway, 
yeah, we're struggling a few weeks. So other than that, that's really been my league review. Uh, I'm not sure if TQ is going to be getting there for the table this week, but you know, he's the real MVP of the night. We could talk about this for a second, I guess. You're bring, I think Jeff was the one who brought this up on Twitter. Uh, that there, He's hearing a rumor in his area that apparently Bolero, and this is from Nico in the chat, apparently, apparently Bolero is thinking about a big price rage, raise for uh, league bowlers going into next season. I mean, honestly, I kind of feel like we, and I said this on Twitter, I kind of feel like we've been down this, this road before. Uh, where when Bolero first started buying a lot of these centers, they came in and raised the prices on everything, up the prices on league bowlers, et cetera, and drove a lot of people away. But in, in the years since then, they've kind of made some decent efforts to get those leagues back, get those players back, get the tournament players back, et cetera. So I got I to gotta say I'd be surprised to see that happen. Plus, to be honest with you, I mean – they have no standing to really do that other than the fact that they're probably the only game in town in a lot of instances, right? So, like, you're dealing with no tables, okay? You're not happy with the situation you have going on in the Bolero Center. You bowling. In the Bolero Centers, Tours with, a, with an S that I bowl in, uh, there's never any Wi-Fi, okay? Can't understand it. Like, 2023, who wants to go to a place – especially for multiple hours where you can't get access to Wi-Fi. You can't, you cannot, I can't even get text or receive text while I'm in the building there. I mean, it's, it's incredible. So uh, the machines, a lot of the machines don't work, you know, which is something that regular bowlers, you know, league bowlers, tournament bowlers, et cetera, really care about. Um, That's been, that's been my experience lately anyway. I'd say over the last year or so. So I don't, you know, again, I'd be surprised to see that just because I don't really feel like they have the, they have the standing to, uh, to do that, you know, given the, given the position that they're in, except unless they're looking at it like, you know, excuse me, they're the only game in town. All right. My league review, it was a, it was a, a, a lightly attended, uh, session of the sport, uh, sport pots. I think we had, uh, 13 people. We had been getting like 21, 22, 23. Uh, so yeah, I mean, listen, I don't, I, I, I don't know what the reasons are for getting more people or less people in a given week. Uh, but you know, obviously it's nice to have more, but even, even when we don't have those numbers, we do have a dedicated group of people showing up almost every week, uh, to bowl. So we bowled on the long and, uh, I bowled okay. I shot. I shot like six forty. I think I had three missed makeables, maybe. Uh, so could have been about six eighty. You know, uh, sh- shout to Matt Gibney. Matt Gibney, uh, one one of my young guys out here, uh, bowls two sport leagues Mondays and Tuesday, and uh, he shot eight eight fifteen or something Monday in his sport league, and then seven fifty uh, on the long and also in our sport league using a phase two as well, which is pretty impressive. So. Um, yeah, there were some good good bowling, good scores. Uh, I felt like towards the end of the night, I really started to throw it good, like really good. Uh, the last game I started with, I went, I started front six nine spare, uh, almost won the pot that game. I got I got out you know out bowled by somebody uh, who beat me you know with with pins, but uh, they bowled great. 
you know, and I didn't. I made a couple errant shots uh, coming down the stretch of that game. But uh, the one thing that I focused on that I, I, you know, that I don't focus on a lot that I felt was contributing to me throwing it really good and repeating what I was doing was uh, was was just staying really slow with my feet, trying to stay as as slow as I possibly could with my feet, especially through steps one, two, and three, you know, and, and when I did that, it just felt like everything fell into place and my head was steady and I could see what I was trying to hit and I was repeating what I was doing. I mean, maybe there were slight variations of the way the ball was coming off my hand, but I was hitting what I was looking at and every shot off my hand had a decent chance to strike. Well, it's funny. So, it's funny you said that because uh, a couple of months ago when I was bowling and I was struggling, I called Bill O'Neill and I was talking to him and I asked him, like, what do you do when you're you don't feel like you're throwing it good or, or you're in a funk or what? You know, how how do I get back on track? And he had a very interesting piece of advice uh, that I think the people would, would, would uh, actually like to hear. He said a lot of um, you, uh, your problems and your approach are usually from your first two to three steps. Uh, meaning like if your first two steps are, could be too big, uh, the, where you're start or, or how fast you're starting your ball compared to when your foot comes out, essentially your timing and whatnot. So he says, if you could really focus on fixing whatever you do in your first two to three steps, we'll put your whole like approach, uh, into a uh, good rhythm, uh, you know, you really can't focus on what you do in the last two steps or three steps, but you could really focus on what you do in your first two steps. Uh, so I thought that was kind of an interesting piece of advice. And I feel like that's what you're, it sounds like what you're doing right now. Yeah. So I was throwing it really good. You know, I, 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 I forget exactly what my games were, uh, but I know the last game I bowled, I bowled pretty good and got most of my pins uh, plus in that game, but I was about even going into that game. So it was about 640 or so. Yeah, and I also want to touch on what you talked about with Bolero. And I really hate to say this, and I hope I'm not right on this statement, but I feel like people, this is just the beginning of it. Uh, the more bowling centers Bolero take over, the more power that they're going to have in the bowling world. Uh, and essentially, we've talked about this, you know, numerous times uh, when we, we were talking Bolero as a topic is Bolero it will eventually have a monopoly on the industry if they don't already have one, essentially, in some of your areas. I know my areas, uh, they do in some aspects. Uh, Bolero Mesa, I know there is a, a, a Mesa East, which is a privately owned bowling center. Um, so I don't bowl that an area, though. I'm going to be probably more in the North Scottsdale area. And where I'm moving uh, in North Scottsdale, I think there's only one Bolero Center and there's no privately owned centers in that area. I'd probably have to drive 15 or 20. So look, like I think this is just the um, beginning of our problems with Bolero as a corporate giant in our industry, raising prices, doing what they want to do. And then, you know, the people really don't have a choice. They don't have any. Well, you're any talking, you're talking. I mean, I could see. I can think about what you're what you're t what you're saying here. You know, take that out ten years from now. Mm. Oh yeah, so I'm saying right. Okay, yes, and I, I want to make that clear. I want to make that clear. Like, take what you're saying is you know, take that out ten years from now. 
where in a lot of places they may be the only game in town, you know, and what does that mean in terms of what they're willing to offer or how they're willing to work with, you know, uh, the, you know, some of the different groups that exist in bowling. Um, yeah, I hear you. I mean, you know, if, if you want to be, if you want to be, uh, if you want to use hyperbole in this situation, you know, I would sit here and say, if you want a hot take, I would sit here and say, you know, it, it really could lead to the death of league bowling. You know, you go 10, 15 years down the road and they keep raising prices, raising prices, you know, give, giving us more more of what they've given us up to this point or or uh, as of late, I guess you could say. Then, yeah, like who who's going to who's going to stick around and remain around to bowl leagues? Well, it gets to the point, Mike, where Bolero is a company you're going to look at. Let's just say a Tuesday night. Right. Let's just say Tuesday night, 630 p.m. where I, I bowl league right at that time. It's going to get to the point where Bolero Corporate is going to look at that time, that two to three hour time that the leagues are there, and then they're going to balance it or weigh it with open bowling. And they're going to see if their finances are going to be able to make more money opening up that center or for league for open play rather than having leagues there every week. So, so like a thought here, does that mean that the 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 schedule of Bolero or the schedule of an individual Bolero could lead to the that's how the league schedule is going to be decided. In other words, like Bolero looks at their schedule and says, "Oh, all right, well, Wednesday, when Monday and Wednesday we don't have any, we don't have much uh, recreational business. So those two nights, that's it. Two nights for those leagues. And then what are you going to get? You're going to get a, a a bidding war, basically." be amongst the leagues in that house to get one of those spots if they want to bowl in that house, right? You know, people, you know, you're going to find if you have all these leagues and they really want to bowl in that house and they want one of these nights, you know, then, then uh, you're going to have to pay. You're going to have to pay to, to reserve one of those spots. I would imagine. I mean, you could also see to the point of where they don't really even run leagues during like a certain, like area or weather like if the weather is 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 good they might want to see yeah yeah go ahead no finish that thought finish that thought like my thought is bolero might eventually say well we we get a lot of open bowling during the winter so we'll only we'll only try to have leagues in the summer right um you know and i could see eventually when they have a monopoly in the in certain areas where they're gonna weigh if open bowling actually is more it makes them more money but they're a company they're a publicly traded company it's all about the bottom line when it comes to Bolero, right? I work for a company. I work for Fortune 500 companies my whole working adult life, and it's all about the bottom dollar. They don't care about league bowling. If open bowling is going to make them more money, they can't. They might not want to do leagues. So yeah, I mean, <sighs> it's 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 a bad it's a bad it's a bad thing. Every time I see Bolero buy a privately owned center, I kind of cringe um, because we grew up in privately owned centers. Uh, and you know, a lot of privately owned centers are also bowlers and proprietors themselves. I mean, we talked to Doug Kent, like we talked to some of these people who actually really care about their bowling centers and care about competitive bowling. Bolero, on the other hand, uh, you know, they're all about making money. So, yeah, I mean, if we could go into it, if we didn't have a fully jam packed show, we could go hours into this. Maybe we'll talk when it's a little bit slower in this topic, yeah, but I know we have that. a lot of uh, stuff going on tonight, so. We do. So, uh, Rob, people had asked earlier if there were going to be any special guests tonight on our show. 
and we don't we don't announce guests around here uh, at Sweep the Rack, uh, but we do we do have a special guest who uh, who joined us uh, backstage while we were doing our league review here. Prepare. I got to prepare for it for the guest. Oh, um, yeah, oh. It's yeah you know, it's funny. Green. Like, had we we had tried to schedule this a couple times and it didn't work out, and it, this was sort of put together last minute. But I was actually going to go out to my local deli down the street and get a pork roll, egg, and cheese, and bring and bring a pork roll, egg, and cheese. Everybody makes fun of me for being fat on the internet, but I was going to bring a pork roll, egg, and cheese on this show, and I was going to eat it. You know, so that gives you a little hint as to who we're welcoming on here. So listen, it's one of the goats in the game. It's one of the goats in the game. No matter how you want to talk about it, you want to talk about throwing the rock. It's one of the goats in the game. You want to talk about female bowlers, one of the goats in the game. You want to talk about Jersey, Jersey, Northeast bowlers, okay, which is like iconic out here, all right? The one of the, go- one the, the goats of the game, the grind, the action. I mean, you know, we're not gonna we're we're not gonna keep keep this guest for super long tonight, but I mean you want to you could get into it in all ways with this guest. So been a while since we had a guest, Rob. I'm kind of hype here. Uh, we're gonna bring her on. C B D, what's good? Hey, nothing going on. I just want to show. Can you hear me? Yeah, we hear you. Okay, perfect. okay. So I just want to show you. I'm all patched up. Oh, she got. Oh. Oh. Want you to know I'm all patched up. <laughs> I don't do anything in public unless I have all my logos on. So I just wanted you to know. But again, before we even get into our discussion, I feel that I am a legit patch pirate. Oh no! Wait. All right. So. <laughs> She knows why she's here because the 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 idea of Patch Pirate has spread around. It's spread around <laughs> Twitter and the bowling community a bit, and uh, she want she wanted to know the definition of Patch yeah. Pirate. So I said, "Come on the yeah. show. Let's talk about it. Let's discuss. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it." So I'm going to give you the background, and then and actually, Rob, this is the first time we've officially talked about this on the show. You know, it's just something we put out there, and no. No one really knows what the definition is, so I guess it's up to me to provide the definition, which I'm, I'm glad to do, actually. So okay. patch pirate is actually a term from the fishing community, okay? And, and I got the term from a, a podcast called Bass Talk Live. And one of the guys, Mark Jeffries, who does Bass Talk Live, uh, he, or used to be involved with it. I think he's in the background now. Um, he, he contacted me because he's a bowler, and he was listening to our podcast and he wanted to kind of give us some thoughts on it. And me and me and him got into a conversation back and forth. And he mentioned to me, yeah, you know, you talk about these guys who have staff deals and how everybody has a ball deal today and they don't deserve it. It's not like it was. And he said, we have that in the fishing community, too. We call those guys patch pirates. And I said, yo, that is so good. I said, I am I am stealing that and I am bringing that to the bowling community. So I, I brought it over to our podcast here. And I started using it, and yeah, it spread around. It, it has spread around a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. There are times when I'm in the bowling alley, and people will see me, and they'll be like, "Yo, Big Mike, Patch Pirates." So yeah, it's it, it's it's cool. It's cool to see it spreading around. But you wanted to know what a definition was, and I, I DM'd you on Twitter and yeah, gave you, you sort you of did. a sort yeah. of a smaller definition. But you but did. yeah, we we wanted to come here and have the have the conversation for the people. Uh, so, so put it, that's it. That's what, that's where the people's bowling podcast here. We're the people's bowling podcast here. So, uh, so I will, I will now give this, the definition of patch pirate, very similar to what I gave you in DM, but I'll put it out there for the people. So 
anybody who hears me use the term patch pirate has to understand that I come from an era in bowling, like Rob does, like you do, okay, uh, where to be sponsored by a ball company was extremely meaningful, okay? It was, it was almost like a stamp on a person's, uh, on a person's resume, in, in the yep. bowling world, if somebody was sponsored and they walked into a bowling center, you knew who they were. You knew their name. You knew their resume. And I'm going back. I'm talking about Parker Bone with the with the multicolored zone shirt on. Okay, I'm talking Brian Voss, Randy Peterson in the in the zone commercials. Okay, I'm talking Tim Mack on the poster with the bowling ball in his hands like this, squeezing it, okay? Putting Storm on the map, okay? We knew who these people were. We knew who all these people were, and that's why they had these deals, right? So fast forward to the current day, all right? Fast forward to the current day. And, you know, I don't, I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't like to be negative all the time, but when, when I, no, I don't think when you're I see, negative. You're just speaking what you feel. That's it. When I see something, I got to call it what it is. I'm a Philly guy. You're a Jersey girl. Rob's mm-hmm. a New York guy. We all understand each other here. I got to call it like it is. Right. So, yep. uh, fast forward to the current day. I attend a lot of events. I bowl a lot of sports stuff in my area. Uh, I'm not a real big fan of the house shots because I feel like they're easy and soft. I, I like the challenge. I'm in it for the challenge. Uh, so I, sh- I, you know, I tend a lot of stuff. I'm around a lot of stuff, and I see a lot of people posted on social media, scores, series, this, and they're all affiliated with companies, and they all have the shirt on, et cetera. But then when I show up to my local sport event that's right in their backyard, they're not there. Or what I started to notice is that some of them sign up online. They tell the tournament director they're going so that everybody on Facebook sees their name on the roster. And then the day of the tournament, they're not there. They don't show up. They don't show up, right, because they don't they don't want to bowl on the, on the tougher stuff. They want to pad their resume uh, with for the ball cup, for the ball deal, for the staff deal, based on what's going on on house shots. You know, and they don't show up to bowl on anything tough. I don't really. Feel, I feel like we've come a long way, uh, and and in the wrong direction in the bowling community of who we give these sponsorship deals to, and who these companies decide to to affiliate themselves with, and either give free equipment to. But let's be honest, some of these people they're not even getting free equipment. They're paying for the equipment. They're paying a discounted cost for the equipment, but they're paying for the equipment and and marrying themselves to one company and one company's equipment. Just to have that association and go around and tell people, well, I have a ball deal. You know, I'm on a ball staff. You, you then include the YouTube ball reviewers, okay, who are out here all doing ball reviews. Most of them are doing it on easier conditions where you take any ball and it's going to look great. All of those guys have ball deals. And here's somebody like me. I don't have a ball deal looking around. And sometimes I think to myself, why is why is everybody paying for balls if these guys all have free ball deals or getting discounts on balls, right? So that's how Patch Pirates came about. And in and in a nutshell, that would be my definition of Patch Pirate. It would be someone who has some sort of ball deal. And okay. I use I use that phrase like I like how you say ball deal. Okay. I because well, you know that there's deal. there's only a handful of players out there. That are really getting paid to throw equipment. A hundred percent. Okay, so that's that's why I say ball deal because to mm-hmm. me, to Rob, to have a ball deal 
means you get paid to throw equipment. So that's where I'm at with the patch pirate thing. That's how it came about. We brought you here not only to hear the definition, and we want to hear your thoughts as well. Dear God, I just lost you there on my phone. Um, You're good. I have a I have a lot of thoughts about it. Like I there's I mean, there's some things I think you're going to kind of like and not like. And it's okay. Give, I, give me your exact feelings. That's what we want. There's a, there's a couple of feelings because I think it's an unfortunate thing uh, in our sport that we've gotten to the point where we're at. I don't think you can compare as much as it pains me to say this. Oh, I'm getting very angry because I have a good setup here and it keeps moving. So give me one second, okay? Hold on. All right. There we go. I don't think you can compare how it was to what it is now because I have a feeling I've always had a, a an idea of where I think it really turned and I don't think you can go back and I'm going to explain that I personally feel that when the team challenges started do you remember the team challenges okay so I was on tour full-time and Obviously, you know, it was up there, the top, you know, five or whatever in the world. And I'm going to a team challenge and I'm watching and I'm not going to, I was with a different company then. I was with Ebonite, so I had a great career. Um, and I'm attending a team challenge and I see the Ebonite team throwing bowling balls that I haven't even gotten yet. Now I'm a full paid staff member. I am bowling pretty well, right? but yet I'm not throwing those bowling balls. So that's the first place that I really think things changed in the fact of um, how we justified where those bowling balls were going. Because if you remember in the team challenges, there every company had sponsored teams, right? A lot of them also had a lot of the college players bowling that were sponsored by ball companies. And I truly believe that's where it really started. Because you mentioned that. Where did this start? Where did I truly believe that's where one of the starts uh, happened. Was that amateur players who were pretty good in college or at the regional level bowled these team challenges, which were all over the country, big brackets, full fields, and you could bowl with pro bowlers. So the pro bowlers were bowling on their off time and team challenges with the younger generation at the time. I think that's really where it started. I am of the fact, I do love how you said, you know, when I bowled on tour, you didn't get a bowling ball until you made a cut. So you bowled with the equipment that you had, whether you were on staff or not, you had to make the cut to be able to get a comped ball, which was a comp ball, and you got one. You didn't get five, you got one. It's, it's just, I think it's a generational thing. I'm not saying it's right to some extent, because I am a little bit of a traditionalist on that, but you have every single youth event now being sponsored or a participating sponsor is a ball company, right? Brunswick does it, Ebonite does it. Um, I say Ebonite, but all of Brunswick brands, all of, uh, you know, Storm, all of the uh what's the other uh company we have out there i'm motive motive, motive motive yeah, yeah motive ej tackett the best bowler in the world for god's sakes but um one of the things they all participate in all of these youth events 
And what is the one thing you want to build with the youth bowler is brand loyalty. And when you get into the patch pirate thing, not by the way, that's, I do think that's funny. <laughs> um, but there's a couple different areas of patch pirate. I do think the youth today with social media, because don't forget, well, well, I'm older than you guys, but when I was growing up, there was no social media. So you didn't have the chance to post as much. What we did was it was grassroots marketing. I was at every Hall of Fame banquet. I was doing clinics. I was, I mean, I was all over the country. I was all over the world. With social media now, you as a brand have the opportunity to get some of these kids at a very young age on board with your company that you're hoping will, will build that brand loyalty. And I think that's where we're at. With the people that actually do it, with league and, and how you're saying, now, I do think that is a different, a, a totally different uh, realm. I, I, okay, I'm always for the underdog, okay? I, I'm going to tell you I got a little soft spot for the underdog. I think you have people that want to be a part of something. Because I do believe that in their heart, they probably know they're not going to shoot 15 800s and 25 300s. And they're never going to win a regional title or they're never going to try. They just want to be a part of something that they feel they give something to. And I really do think that's what you get at the grassroots level, especially with the league bowlers. There are people that are never going to bowl in a sports shot. And that's a whole other topic, by the way, because... I think there's a place for sports bowling, and I think there's a place for fun bowling house shot. I do. Again, I think we keep trying to make ourselves something that we're not. I mean, if I want to bowl in sport and bowl on everything hard and be the best in the world, I should have that opportunity. But I don't expect everyone else to have that same vision or that same goal. I don't. Now, again, though, I have to ask you, even with your podcast here, right? What is your best form of marketing? Social grassroots. Media. Yeah. And grassroots, right? All your guys in your bowling centers are talking about you. They're telling a friend. And really, I think that's why a lot of those people who you are referring to with league and put the patch on and whatever, it's about being a part of something that they know they're only going to get to a certain level but they're still a part of a family and it makes them feel good. And it still promotes the sport of bowling. I'm not justifying it hundred percent. I understand the whole, everybody strikes and everybody, because honestly, I'm going to throw this one out at you. I attended a, a pro shop seminar that Storm was putting on. It was excellent. It was about not only the new equipment, but also about just, it was about a lot of stuff. And I hadn't been to a, one in a while and the room was full. There was probably, Oh my God, there had to be 35 people in there, 40. I mean, there was a lot of pro shops. They were talking about ball videos, new bowling balls coming out, shoes, um, the finish, you name it, who was doing ball videos. I stepped up to the front of the room. I raised my hand. I said, I have an on it. Now, mind you, I'm the only woman in the room, right? I said, I got a question for every pro shop operator here. May I ask you how many clients you have? that come in your pro shop that throw it like Sean Rash or Jason Balmonte? How many? Like, please tell me. They don't, right? 
How many players, I mean, how many people walk into your pro shop, throw it like Jason Balmonte? Yeah, no. less than 1%. Who, who is the person that the average bowler throws it the most like? It's, one, it's the 150 to probably 175 average range. And, and But who do they throw at their rev rate? Who do they throw it like? <sighs> I'm Ooh. sitting right in front of you. <laughs> Mama Mia. Yeah, <laughs> Mama Mia. No, I'm sitting right in front of you. They throw okay, more, all right. They throw well, it more like me. come on. That, no, Hold because on. they don't have the deadly accuracy and repetition <laughs> of one of the Hold goats on. of the game. Rev rate-wise, okay, fine. Yes, so rev rate-wise. So it's another thing in bowling. Why aren't more women really doing the ball reviews that really league bowlers, you know, all those people you're talking about, can actually relate to? Because if I drill a ball, like we drill it for Sean Rash or Jason Balmonte, it's not going to be very good for them, right? They need it drilled for them. And that's another thing that I see is that we is we sit there in a pro shop and you go, yeah, sure. I mean, well, I saw that. Jason did it look good. Sean used it. Who's going to throw it like EJ Tackett? Really? Not happening. So, again, along with your I, – I know how you feel about that and the people of the building of the resume – but there are people that are just passionate about bowling league and want to be a part of something. And I think that's why they do it. I don't think they do it to, I don't think that many people do it as, as much as we may think for free balls, because as you said, a lot of those people are not, they're paying us maybe a, a what a, a discounted rate, right? Uh, because you are maybe on the regional staff or whatever it be. But um, so I, yeah. I, I, I just, I just think they want to be a part of something because social media makes people either feel good or feel bad. Right. right. Think about that. We're, we're really getting do. deep here. We're well, getting deep here. I, but it I does. Got a question, though. Go ahead, I, Rob. Go ahead. I got that a question. I was after you, wasn't he, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they get, listen, Sorry. the pad, the patch pirates get very mad when, I when I, when I talk about the patch pirates terrible. and, I think things out about the patch pirates and whatnot. I, I'm only yeah, kidding. I'm just I, joking. I, 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 Everybody can calm down. It's just a joke. Yeah. Everybody just relax. So, I'm having yes, fun. Brooke, Go ahead, yes, Brooke, Go ahead Rob. Rob. I think there's a, a part of patch pirates here too that it, that we don't really talk about a lot is the, the the ball companies got smart and they started putting people who own pro shops on staff. Correct. And I feel like that could be a little bit of a uh, um, you know, a smart marketing ploy by the companies. I mean, I'm not right. going to, you know, throw them under the bus for no. trying to sell bowling balls, right, Carolyn? But it, it is a little bit of a deceiving, uh, a, a deception for a customer if they come in and let's just say maybe the new Black Widow 2.0 might be a better fit for their arsenal, but then that mm -hmm. person is selling them a a, a new Roto Grip ball because uh, they're on staff mm -hmm. and that's what they're supposed to be doing. Now, and I agree with you on that. I do. Um, I am on Rotogrip staff. Obviously, Dell's on Storm. Um, if, and I hate to say this, but because people can take this a certain way, but if you are doing your job, you're not supposed to sell them something that's not going to work for them. Here's the thing. Yeah, you're right. I probably sell the, the majority of balls that walk out of my pro shop or everything that's labeled under storm, right? But am I doing a, a disservice to somebody who comes in? Because there are people that are good friends of mine that are on Brunswick staff. So am I doing a disservice to them 
or even if they're not on Brunswick, but their favorite bowling balls are Brunswick, drilling them something that may not roll or it may not be what they like to see. And then A, they're not going to be happy. They're going to go tell somebody else who's going to tell somebody else. And now I lose not only them as a client, but now the two other people that he talks to. So to me, sure, I know what my job is, right? But my job is also to grow the sport of bowling. Everybody is not going to love the bowling balls that CDB throws. I mean, it's just, I mean, sure, do I wish that was the real world? It's not. And anybody who thinks it is, is living in the fantasy world. We're supposed to do what's right for the bowler. So that the bowler goes and says, you know what? When I left Ballard Bowling Academy, I got great service. I really like them. EJ spent a lot of time with me. And Carolyn even came in and said hi. You know, I mean, that's really what we're supposed to be doing. They should be able to make that decision on their own with our guidance. And we give them options. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So is it fair to say that? I've, and I got to say, I feel like mm-hmm. we're making we're making progress in this conversation here. This is interesting. No, we're not. To There's me. still going to be patch pirates, and you're going to be mad. No, is it is no, it okay. is it fair to say that <laughs> at one point yeah. things transitioned from a quote unquote again ball deal being something that was a, a recognition factor, right, mm-hmm. to more of a marketing factor? Yes. Is it fair I, to say that, Rob? Would I, you agree with that as well? No, yeah, hundred percent. I do, and actually, I got to tell you something. I even think it went marketing first, and then recognition. I think grassroots. I think grassroots marketing has been the bulk of the strength of bowling. For you know, I wish honestly, I wish I could look at you right now and say, "Oh my God, can you believe all these bowlers are making millions of dollars?" Like I wish I could say that to you, right? The bulk of the money from our industry comes from where? It comes from grassroots marketing. It it's, it's it's doing those clinics. It's doing the like and 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 like Brooklyn Rob said, the pro shop operators doing the right thing, sending their bowlers out there, helping them make. I mean, building the high school bowling program, making sure the college teams have what they need when they come into your center. That's really where we start to build, like you said, the brands, the loyalty, and hopefully that catches fire. And hopefully you're building bowlers along the way. Everybody's not going to be a pro bowler. I hate to say that. Wake up world. Everybody's not going to be a pro bowler, right? But if they bowl league, if they bowl regionals, if they bowl every single one of your scratch tournaments, if they bowl your holiday doubles, if they bring their family in for a birthday party, is that still not building bowling? It is. It's just a different aspect. Fair, very, very fair point. Very good point. Uh, well, all right. So one question I want to ask based on your comments from before, uh, is, um, you, you mentioned the younger people, right? You mentioned the younger people, ball (laughs) staffs, uh, the kids these days, it's Mm -hmm. sort of like a, uh, a brand loyalty thing. Mm -hmm. So is it, is it fair if I present the other side and say, well, there's some negative to that. There's some negative to, um, recognizing young kids in that way, giving them a ball deal. I'm just going to throw two things out there, right, to consider. One would be, you know, it kind of makes an uneven playing field. You know, these kids go to tournaments. you got some kids who are sponsored by a ball company. They have more access to balls. If a TV show is involved, perhaps the company wants to see their players on that show. They give them some assistance that other kids don't have. That would be one point I would make. Second point I would make would be, 
you know, I'm sure some of these kids, they have to look at them getting a, a, a quote-unquote ball deal at such a young age as some sort of verification of them being of a certain talent level, right? Well, mm-hmm. you know, Rob Rob was in bowling this month as a future star when they used to do that promotion. I mean, this was a huge deal for us when, when we were kids. Like, he was a semi-celebrity for being in there. What happens then when these kids take it as some sort of validation and they don't end up making it? You know, I could look at that as a negative too. So yep. response to that? I, I Actually, I can't disagree with you one bit. Because for as many positives as there are, I do think there are some negatives. Um, and I don't blame the kids themselves. Uh, again, I think it was more of, it, it simply put from a business standpoint. So let me start by that, by saying that. So for example, if I, if I do see a kid that I think has talent, right? And I don't, as a Rotogrip representative, give them the time of day or maybe try to get them to my brand, someone else is going to do it because our industry is not that big. So if I don't do it for Rotogrip, someone from Brunswick is. Do I want to lose that talent or do I want to help build that talent? So that would be the first thing, okay? Not right or wrong, just that's where I think that goes. The second thing is what I think we have done is we have given a false sense of security in a certain respect. You mentioned that if these young kids get these ball contracts or, or uh, I don't want to call them contracts, yeah, whatever agreements you want. or whatever yeah, you want to yeah. call them, where they're not being paid, obviously, right, and whatever. I think with the way social media is and the way the society is today, it is something that is expected when they get to the next level. I don't think that always happens. So again, sometimes are we building a full security? Well, I think we do that in a lot of ways. And I think social media is to blame for that. I think if a kid has talent and you want them to... Sorry. No, it's okay. Oh, no. Sorry, sorry. I'm really... It's all right. It's all right. I got scared. I thought you fell over. I know. I know. No, I tried to build my own little office here on that thing and it didn't work. Anyway, I think what we've done is, yes... I mean, what happens if we have this kid all through high school and all through college and then he graduates college and he never bowls again, right? I mean, you you can look at it and go, oh, gosh, you know, I really thought we were going to hold on to him. Or by the time he graduates college and he's bowling for a college who is sponsored by Rotogrip, he decides, you know what? You guys aren't going to pay me. I'm going out on tour. Brunswick offered me a deal. I'm going there. I think Mm. that happens as well. Mm. Actually, I think that happens a lot. Mm. So my question, and really what you asked me, would be a question for all of us who promote our sport and talk about being realistic, is how far do we actually go? Do we limit the amount of kids that we try to, uh, you know, mentor uh, on a so-called staff? But now what do we do with those kids that really want to get there but aren't quite as good? Do we leave them in the dust? So it's it's really a no-win situation. I don't really have an honest answer for that. I just think that it's such a it's just such a, a lopsided question that goes either way. And I think it's because as a society, we want it now, we want it fast, and we want it all the time. Right or wrong. 
I mean, do you know I have, I have, I could name on one hand quickly how many kids look at me and go, like this, well, pfft, I haven't even shot 300 yet. I mean, see that guy right? He's, he shot three of them. I'm better than him. Well, no, you're not. You didn't shoot 300. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, it, I mean, it, it's like they don't even put 300s in perspective. I mean, everybody's supposed to be shooting 300 by the time you're 12. Did you know that? Well, they need to find the house with the easier house shot. I mean, but that's it, what but they, like, I know, they're not bowling at a house that's easy enough. They got to. But let, I got to tell you something. I shot, you know, in, in my lifetime, I've probably shot, I mean, I don't know, I think like 45, 300s, right? Between tour and whatever, which honestly, can, today's day and age, isn't very many, right? I can't tell you how many 279s or even 269 or whatever I shoot because I don't shoot 300 all the time. I flat 10, I, whatever. I mean, when did 279 or 269 become a bad game? And everybody kind of just looks at you now, which goes back to you when you talk about, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be a patch pirate, but <laughs> there are people who look in league and they shoot 259, 259, 259, and they're, they're pissed. That's, they're another, pissed. that's another question I wanted to ask you. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. So I wrote down mm-hmm. while you were speaking – Sport or house at what point, right? So, so my, what I'm trying to say there is, you know, just the people you're describing, Mm -hmm. they get to a point where shooting 259, you know, 780, 780 is a disappointment, right? It's Mm -hmm. not even something they want to post on social media about at what point, you know, is there a point that some of those people should, you know, make a consideration to move over to the other side of the game where it really is, where a challenge really presents itself. Would that help things? Would that help the situations we're talking about? I think it's simply up to what the bowler wants to do. I mean, it's, 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 it really is kind of simple. If you want to be a pro bowler and you want to hit the PBA tour, you have to bowl on sport patterns. If you want to be a women, woman pro bowler, you have to bowl on sport patterns. You have to bowl on sport patterns. You have to be 300 under to learn how to be 300 over. You have to finish next to last to understand how to finish first or second you have to challenge yourself and be uncomfortable i think we tend to live in a society right now where many people don't want to be uncomfortable uncomfortable makes them very very uncomfortable and doesn't and it takes them out of their norm and i think that has become just part of society i don't think that's bowling in general but when you ask about when they're supposed to be doing it, quite honestly, if you ever decide that you want to go to the next level, you have to make it tough on yourself to be able to learn how to adapt to the unknown. And the only way to do that is to bowl on tougher conditions. And let me tell you, it's not easy taking that leap. It's not. I mean, the PWBA, when I bowled on the first tour, when I bowled my career, we were the first tour to bowl on sport conditions. The men did not do it right off the bat. The women did. It was ugly and it was tough, but it made us better. It made us better. Um, That's what we chose to do. So we stuck it out. But if you're gonna take the leap and you wanna be as good as a Chris Prather or, you know, a Liz Johnson or any of those players, I'm sorry, you have to test yourself against 
the ugly conditions and you have to figure out why. The other part of that is, and I'm going to ask you this question. I don't think there's enough coaching. I don't think people seek out coaching. I think they think the bowling ball is going to do it for them. And if you would spend as much money on coaching and going to seminars and learning about the bowling balls and lane conditions and how to use your shoes, your shoes, sole and heels properly, you would see an increase in your average and your tournament performance before you would by buying a ball and then contribute that to buying your next arsenal and fit it to your game. Rob, how many how many times have we said the same thing on this on this show? Yeah, that's one that's one of our great that's one of our great frustrations with the YouTube ball reviewers mm-hmm. is that they make it seem like the ball is the answer and oh, get this ball, get that ball. Right. There's so many ball releases today. It's not like right. it was in the 80s and 90s where these companies came out with maybe three or four balls a year. They come out mm-hmm. with five, six balls a, a quarter now, mm-hmm. right? So that's one of our frustrations with the with with kind of that kind of that yeah. thing going on in the community. But yeah, the problem, is, the problem is too is like uh, even Jeff said in the chat here, and I completely agree with it. There aren't even enough good coaches out there, um, and the people that are coaching are not great coaches. They maybe are looking just to make a quick buck. Um, so there's a lot of uneducation in our sport in general, and uh, just like how to play sport shots or how to work sure. bowling balls in general. The lack of education in our sport is definitely uh, what's holding it back to in, in, in a lot of sense. Right. Um, it, you know, finding a good coach, you know, I always say this, my mom and I were just talking about this, to be honest, because um, obviously I'm older and I was telling her how fortunate I feel that I really never had an injury. I, um, I was, you know, I always kept myself in shape, but I had a good ball driller when I was younger. Like the guy in my bowling center knew what he was doing. So from there, he also helped me with my bowling. So not only did he give me a good fit from the very beginning, but he also helped me with my bowling to the extent he could help me. And then of course, you know, I, I looked for other coaches. Um, I think you have to be open-minded to that because coaching is not one-stop shopping sometimes. Um, I, yes, do I, ha- do I have the two coaches that I go to all the time, my whole life? Yeah, of course. But I also went to Kegel, worked with Del Warren, wor- worked with Randy Stoughton, worked with Brian Purcell. Worked, I mean, there were numerous people when we were in the area. I'm thinking, you know what, I'm going to go there because they may touch on something that triggers something else and you just learn. And then sometimes it was kind of like the same thing. And you're like, okay, guess what? I'm really working on the right thing, you know? So um, I, I feel sad that Rob, that you feel, I mean, not that you feel, sorry, I didn't mean to say you. I, I feel sad that people feel they don't have a place to go to get a good coach because that's something we should really have. I mean, there's not a sport, um, there isn't any sport that shouldn't have coaches to be able to teach you good fundamentals, take you as far as they can go, and then you should say, hey, I can't help you anymore. But you know what? If you go here or there, um, they will help get you to the next level. And you know what? That's kind of something that's going to stick with me that you said that because I I think coaching is so important. I think coaching is so important and I, and 
I think everyone should be able to walk into their pro shop and ask any question they want without being made to feel like they don't, without being made to feel um, lesser than. And as a woman in this industry, I have been, I have walked into shops and made, I was made to feel lesser than. Even when I had titles, they were still making me feel like that. That should never be. And um, that's two things I think we need to probably pick up the pace on. It's just making sure that people are comfortable asking their pro shop operator questions and asking for instruction and finding good coaches or training our coaches the way they need to be trained. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Rob, I know you wanted to ask at least one more question. Oh, dear. Yeah. I have one more question because I've been very outspoken about urethane uh, and how it, uh, <laughs> I'm not a fan of urethane. I think it's no, I'm very, if you follow me on Twitter, you know, for sure. But um, uh, I think it's boring. I think it's not entertaining. I think it's a handcuff for a certain way, not a handcuff, but more of a cheat code. I, I should change that from being a handcuff to a cheat code to a lot of a certain degree. But I also more importantly, don't want to see it on the tour until they understand the testing on, on what it's actually doing as the ball is going through qualifying. Uh, my biggest stance on your thing was the fact that it could be legal before you start game one and be illegal by game six. And essentially you're using an illegal ball for three games and nobody really even knows. Um, I don't think the PBA or the USBC have a pulse on really what's going on with them. I think they're doing currently a lot of research and testing. Uh, but until that happens, I feel like they should be off of the professional national tour and probably even essentially the women's tour. Um, but I wanted your opinion on my stance on that and, and, and at least the urethane uh, controversy. I think history always repeats itself. And I think that's exactly what you're saying. Uh, you know, in sport, we hope in sports that it's something that you pr you play freely and it's not something that's dictated. And what I mean by that is um, I'm a big tennis buff, right? So when they go out on a clay court and the court's been, whether they have to wet it down or rake it, right? Um, it's, it's, it's a free for all, you know what I mean? You go out and that's it. There's no other interference. I, I think with the changing conditions and the evolution of lane patterns and topography, which is always changing every time a ball goes down the lane, I think it's going to be something very hard to man. I do. I also think that the only way you are going to with this testing is, you know, we just need to continue to research it and it needs to be for everything, not only urethane, right? As we move forward, you don't know what the next ball out's going to be, right? It could be called, I mean, I don't know, you know. I, right, whatever, whatever new, type, whatever new whatever chemical new composite they come up with, right? Right, exactly. So there needs to be a standard. Here's the other thing. I think there needs to be a standard that is actually, um, what's the word? Uh, Enforceable? No, no. Yeah, but. but, but Uniform? Where there's, where there's a little leeway either way. We okay. have to be realistic, kind of like Rob, what you said. You can keep a ball in the trunk of your car out in Texas at 102 degree heat. And when you take it to the bowling center, if you took a ball that was in Wisconsin 
it's not going to be the same. You could punch it. I don't care whether it's urethane or reactive. It's not going to punch the same, right? So I think it's just something they're going to have to continue to research. I don't know about banning it. I, I mean, what? let me ask you this. If you were to ban it, mm-hmm. what do you feel that would do? I feel that, one, at least you would know for sure that the balls are... No one's using something illegal, right? Okay. Okay, he's also going to say that... And I, I'm going to speak for him here because we talk about this a lot on air. Uh, he's also going to say that it would it would create more entertainment value on the shows for the PBA, right, Rob? Yeah, one of my biggest things was like I, I love I yeah. love watching the newest ball releases, high performance releases, and I loved used to watching it on the shows and seeing what they were doing. And now, essentially, all we get is uh, you know three pitch blacks and two purple hammers, right? And <laughs> t- three of them are lefty though. Two, all two-handers and lefties banging urethane. And uh, it, it's. I feel like it also took a lot of the versatility out of the players where a lot of the two-handers and high rev rates, they didn't have to learn how to like uh, calm their ball down in the back of the lane. Or they could just keep literally hitting up on it as hard as they could. And they have the urethane now that uh, will calm it down. When back in like the 2000s, um, guys like Bill O'Neill and Chris Barnes were so good because they were very versatile. They could, they knew how to play the lanes with their hand positions and their speeds. Now the players these days are just so they don't have that versatility. They just go to their purple hammer, they stand on ten, and they just throw it at the gutter, and they don't have to like get versatile. So that's kind of my other like argument to your thing. I mean, I I think that has some merit, but. I do think you you'll see that lower rev players won't use urethane as much. It's mostly your higher rev, right? right. Your higher rev players. Um, but I, I I don't know if we're at the point in our sport that we need to be banning things um, and without more research. Without re- more research. The other part of that is, if you're going to say that about urethane, what about the learning curve of a two-hander? I mean, yeah. So, yeah. Well, the learning to me, I'm not against two-handed bowling. I, I think, I think sports in general evolutionizes. Right. So, to me, sure. it's just part of the evolution of bowling, right? And I, and, and I'm not going to be the person to say it because there are people out there that say it. But Belmo is a great. I mean, he's probably one of the greatest that's ever going to walk on the face of the earth in a bowling center. I mean, whether you like that or not, we're. I'm just here to tell you that's the truth. But Two-handed bowlers, to me, I think have a, a slightly uh, shorter learning curve if they want to get to the next level because they already generate so much power, right? So I think their pin action is much better than a traditional bowler if they're going to start to do that. It's how they learn to manage it and take it to the next level that makes them whether they're, you know makes them obviously whether they're going to be good or not. But didn't what do you the- think about that? Didn't the evolution of urethane like completely give the two-hander an advantage in that fact, though? I mean, I don't know if it was. I don't know if it's urethane that did it. I I don't because I I think that I think your good two-handers are going to be versatile. I mean, I do. I, I you know, the ones that are at the high level. I mean, you're talking like a you know your Chris Vi and your Belmonte and your Anthony Simonson. I mean, they can flatten out a ball as much as they can hook the lane you know um i love urethane as a teaching tool i mean Mm -hmm. i really do i mean 
I'll tell you this. I mean, even even me now, while I'm bowling, if I'm getting ready for a tournament and I'm starting to throw it all funky and doing something stupid, like I'll take my urethane bowl and I'll just move way to the right. I just throw it as straight as I can just to get like my swing back, my feel back. Because you know why? The ball doesn't really do anything. Kind of what you said, you know, like you're saying, Rob. Now, do I not like watching that on TV? I don't know. I mean, I mean, the two-handers sure do throw the pins around, whether it's urethane or reactive. So I don't really sure. know. I mean, I don't know where they're going to go with that. I just, I do agree with you. There has to be more testing or, or some type of rule that's good for everyone. Right. Not just one person here and one person there. And, and you know what? I also wish they would include all of the companies. I think the company should have a say in that or a voice in what they're looking to do for the sport or what they're looking to produce so that maybe we handle some of those issues prior to it even happening. Um, you know, have an open conversation. I'm not saying everybody's going to agree by all means, but at least open that dialogue with uh, all of the entities, you know, whether it's BPAA, USBC, PBA, PWBA, everybody who's involved and just have a good open dialogue about it and see where we can take the sport to the next level, working together instead of against each other. Last question before we get you out of here, because we yeah, appreciate you your that, time. You said that two questions. No, no, we, we got to, hey, you, you know brought what? it up. We got to ask hey, you, you watch hey, a lot of female you're bowling. You're holding me back. You're holding yeah. me back. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I love it. You, you, you watch a lot of female bowling. We know that your daughter is bowling for Vanderbilt right now. Uh, before we get out of here, we'll get an update for, from you. But uh, quickly, two-handed bowling in the women's game. Is it the future or is it not? So I have a bit – oh, I don't know if this is going to be a quick answer. Okay, so ironic you asked me that question because I was just involved in that conversation a couple days ago. I, ha I definitely have an opinion about this one. So I, first of all, do not think we have enough um, – uh, enough uh, – help me research okay. i don't think we have enough research on two-handed bowling with men to start let alone women they haven't even i don't even know if they've even discussed it now i do know overseas and in asia they have a lot of research um here's what i see i think it you're going to see more of it i cannot tell you whether it's going to be successful or not i think um it will definitely be something that we need to watch and they will be able to create obviously more revolutions more pin action the whole thing right more reverie the whole thing uh as to how they hone that skill as a female will be quite different here's what i don't think people take into consideration men and women are built very differently we have to clear our hips our hips are different than men We because we're built to basically have children, right? Um, the tops of our body are quite different than the men. So if you really think about it, a woman's body is quite different for the two-handed style because we have to clear a couple of other things depending on how you're built. So I think the research needs to start now on women's two-handed bowling because I do think you are going to see a wave of it. And I hope, Rob, going back to what you said, I hope there are coaches out there that will know how to help these young women 
get to the next level as quickly as the men can. Fair enough. Uh, how's your daughter's college season going? Awesome. They're doing great. Uh, they just won the latest tournament. They are uh, in the, I guess it's NCTA polls or the last one that came out. There's so many different letters. Uh, they're, they're second overall in the country. And Alyssa is very fortunate. She has been a starter for the Vanderbilt team who has 10 uh, very strong women that can start at any moment. Uh, she has made two all tournament teams and was one MVP. Um, this past weekend, she did uh, bowl for the ITC singles. She finished sixth. She missed by five pins. But Mabel Cummings from Vanderbilt, uh, her teammate, made it. So all of the women are doing great. Actually, I can say that the entire team is having a great season. So we're looking forward to the tournament this weekend in Smyrna. So did they also bowl uh, the sectional qualifying, like the teams? No, because they're just no. NCAA, right? We, okay. Yes, they choose just to bowl NCAA. They do not okay. bowl the ITC. Okay, but NCAA championships are coming up around the corner as well. Yes, yes, what? we have our we have our we have our uh, tournament this weekend in Smyrna. Then we have our conference tournament, regionals, and then hopefully we go to nationals. And yeah, where, be in the top four. Where are the nationals this year? Uh, NCAA nationals are in Las Vegas. Oh. Isn't every isn't everything in Las Vegas? Seems like it. Seems Just like it anyway. Yeah, Las it seems Vegas like a rotation. <laughs> yeah, listen. So, it was awesome to have you on our show. You Thanks. you were an amazing guest. You were one of the best guests we've ever had, actually. I think. Um, <laughs> I want to bring. I want to bring. A little bit, I want to bring Carolyn back when the match. Yeah, come back sometime. Come back sometime. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, uh, I'm over the Grom. I'm oh on Verlander. I'm on Scherzer. I'm on Shango. We we're totally and just really quickly. So I I have to tell you. So I yeah. Uh, obviously diehard Mets fan, <clears throat> but my kid just never bought in, right? She is a diehard Texas Rangers fan, right? So um, she's at school. She sends me this text message. She goes, hey, mom, have you seen uh, the news about the New York Mets? And I'm like, no. And I'm like, what the hell, you know? And I go and I get on my app. I get on Twitter, you know, the whole thing. And I'm like, no. Right. So I text her right back and I'm like, no, that can't be true. And she goes, I just was wondering if you saw it. I think we're going to have a good year. And I go, I'm mad at you. Yeah. It's <laughs> we'll, it in my face. we'll celebrate. We'll all celebrate together since uh, Mike's team's not going to be in the, in the Philly's oh. going back to the world oh. series. We're going oh. back again. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. No, no, okay. but that's okay. Yeah, um, but really thank you guys. I totally right. appreciate it. You guys are great. It's it's nice to have open conversation, and uh, we may not have all the answers, but you know what? At least we're trying to make it better, right? And you know what? That listen, everybody doesn't have to agree with every with no. everything anybody says, right? Don't. There, yeah, don't. there's 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 definitely room for for respectful disagreement, you know. And I think that's something that gets lost in the bowling community sometimes. I think that you know a lot of times people think that any Anything that comes out of somebody's mouth that's negative should automatically be shouted down. But at the same time, I think that there's a lot of issues in the bowling community that, uh, you know, need to be discussed and need to be mm -hmm. talked about and, and yeah. need to be kicked around a little bit to try and find some solutions. But uh, again, listen, we appreciate the time. Good luck to, to, to Vanderbilt. Good luck to your daughter's team as Thank the you. season continues. Safe travels to yourself 
And, uh, yeah, listen, come back and join us sometime. Okay, I will. Thanks, guys. Take All care. All right. Take it Thank easy. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, so, Rob, we get the we get the definition of patch pirate out there, right? I know you and, didn't get that out there. I asked you to get that out there. Yeah, you wanted that out there. You're going to chop that clip up and put it out, I'm sure. Uh, and, and you know, we, we welcome on one of the goats, you know, because she, she wanted to hear the info. And uh, an interesting conversation. You know, I think that uh, – there's there's always two sides to everything, right? It and is. you know you're gonna you're gonna have some people that are gonna view it one way and some people that are gonna view it another. Uh, you know, clearly I, I I make clear where I stand on this particular issue. Uh, I wish I, I, I like to bring her back and talk about. Um, she said she has like a Ballard Academy. I would really I, I don't. It's I don't uh, know. yeah, it's 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 it, they're involved in the pro shop business too, and I believe that's the the name Bauer Bowling Academy. Oh, okay, yeah, that yeah. sounds something that I would be interested in in talking to her about when she came when she comes back on when the Mets win the World Series this year. Um, well, definitely, uh, I like to ask her what she's doing, coaching. I mean, between her and Dell, like, I mean, what a powerhouse, right? A couple uh, to come on and like coach uh, and drill bowling balls for you, right? Like, and and show you the right way how to do things in sport. For sure, you know. All right, let's keep it moving. We're already in overtime. We still got a lot to get to. We're going. We're going. We're going super overtime tonight. I guess if we if we're getting everything, are we getting everything, or are we cutting yeah. some things out here? No, right, we'll just see what's up. We'll just keep going until we feel right. like it's, we're over with. All right, let's get into the tourney review. Yeah, let's get into the Jackson tournament review. Uh, so if if you listen to our pod, uh, you you understand that we have a certain way that we like to run through our tournaments here, uh, and the first thing we do is we run the ladder. Okay, we run the ladder. So, uh, Rob, our first match in this step ladder was uh, Shaw Maldonado versus Tommy Jones. And it didn't provide much drama because Jones opened a couple times early and Maldonado went front, uh, what do you go, front 10, front 11? Front 11, Is right? And, 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 and Dave Small, the owner of the bowling center, had put up uh, twenty five thousand for a perfect game, and then Maldonado creates this drama by going. F- I think it was front. I think he went front eleven and went seven or eight on the last shot. So, uh, you know, had twenty five thousand out there as well. So that brought some drama, but the game itself didn't provide much drama. God, I I get frustrated watching Maldonado throw the ball. I'm sorry, I'm being honest. Like I I, I just his style and the way he throws it down the lane just. It just makes me cringe, honestly. Oh, I'm wrong about that. It was only perfect game for a title match. Really? Are you yeah. sure, Jeff? I'm, yeah, he's right. Yeah? He's okay. Right. All right. I was yeah. wrong on that one. Um, but, yeah, Maldonado, I mean, I was obviously pulling for Tommy because I, I I put a bet in for Tommy uh, early in the tournament. Yeah, um, you had Tommy and Simo. I had you had Tommy and Simo. You were guaranteed to be in the title match. Could have had both guys in the title match, and uh, EJ Tackett shuts you down. With kind of which kind of begs this question. We'll get to it in a, in a minute when we're done running the ladder here. But is EJ the best player on the planet right now? I mean, I think I think that's like a rhetorical question. Who who is if he's not right? But okay, so quick, Simon could write up his ass. Yeah, we we go we go to the second match, which was uh, Maldonado against uh, Simo, right? And I, it, it was almost like every match in this stepladder went the same way, like. Like, you know, Maldonado did not get off to a good start against Simo. Simo got off to a real strong start against Maldonado. And, or I'm sorry, e, what, wasn't it EJ Tackett, Maldonado? 
It was EJ Taka Malinalo. Yeah, EJ Taka. That's right. Si- Simon was the Simon was the one seed. Uh, Two forty-seven, one ninety. Yeah, you know, re- really not a lot of drama. You know? um, it really actually wasn't a really good step ladder. I'll be honest with you. There was no. Really, it no didn't play. provide a lot of drama. Even the last match, uh, you know, it came. It went. It went a little bit deeper than the first two matches. Yeah. But even the match between Simo and EJ, it was it was relatively over near the end of the game. I would say. Yeah, and then yeah, it wasn't really a whole lot of drama. I mean, it was just kind of lopsided matches. Um, you know, in like did did EJ end up shooting two seventy nine in the title game? Did seventy seven? Okay, right. He didn't strike on that last shot. So I mean, you know, it was lights out from the beginning. It was. It was just a one sided uh, affair uh, every match. So yeah, I mean, begs to differ, right? Is EJ Tackett the best bowler on the planet right now? Uh, yeah. Uh, there's yeah. You, know, you could you uh, could have argument. Simonson is 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 close. Um, I think player of the year talks and a, a year that Tackett is having. In a normal year, I think he's running away with it, but this isn't a normal year. Simonson hasn't finished under top 10 all year, right? Right. And he's has how many titles right now, Simo? Two, two titles? Yeah. And Tackett has three titles and a major at this moment, right? Right. So there's so much season left, though. Like, it's, you know, you can't, I mean, yeah, he's a front runner for player of the year right now, but. Simon wins another major, and guess what? Well, not another major. Simon hasn't won a major, did he? No, he hasn't. No. no. But if Simon wins a major, now you have both of them with two titles and a major. So it's interesting. It's going to be probably, in my opinion, one of the most closest player of the year races probably we've ever seen. And I, I'm here for it. I love that. I yeah, Simon Simo won title so far. One oh, title so far. Okay. Yeah, EJ Sorry. has three. Simo has Sorry. a title and a second. Right, but you're right. Simo, Simo has not uh, finished outside the top ten, whereas EJ, I believe, has two events where he's finished uh, near the bottom of the standings. Yeah, so I apologize. I know everybody's going to fact check me. 100 comments in the, in the chat. Um, I made a mistake, so don't shoot me. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, but your, point, your point still kind of stands. I mean – if Simonson win, if Simonson finds a way to win the TOC this week, and he's got two titles, one with a major, and EJ has three titles, one with a major, you know, and there's still a lot of bowling left to do. You know, the the player of the year hunt is still on. Uh, you know, EJ definitely has a solid lead in in you know in that player of the year uh, you know competition. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that that can change with one week. Uh, I like tour right now, right? It's their tour. Yeah, I like I like Kevin Weeks' comment right here. The Venom Shock strikes once again. Has there been a better ball bowler tandem than the ta- than EJ Tackett and the Venom Shock? Um, I don't know. Walter, Walter Ray Williams, Walter Ray Williams and the Crush R. Uh, Mark Roth and the Black Rhino. Belmo, Belmo and the High Road. No, I wouldn't say that. No, I think, okay. The thing with Tackett is, I don't think. I would love for someone to look this up or knows in the chat, but out of all the titles Tackett has won, how many of those titles was he throwing the Venom Shock in the last, you know, the final match? Buttriff and the Purple Hammer. It's like peanut butter and jelly, hamburger, Kool-Aid and sugar. Well, I mean, what do you get? You know, it's- but yeah, listen, I mean, uh, EJ with that purple ball in his hands, boy. 
Like, it's something special. I'm Dude, not. That's I'm, a good. That's a good call, Jared. Wes Malott in the cell pearl. In the cell pearl. And the original cell too. Uh, yeah, anyway. but Wes has one with a lot of. I mean, EJ has one with other stuff too. But man, like that combination is a deadly combination. Has he? <laughs> I don't remember the last time EJ won a title that wasn't. Yeah, Jackal Ghost. Him. Jackal Ghost is a is is one that I I recall him winning Maybe. with. Anyway, but so. yeah. You think Venom Shock, you think DJ Tackett. It is like goes with like Michael Jordan and like the shoe, like his brand. Like you think of Michael Jordan, you think of shoes, right? You think of Venom Shock, you think EJ Tackett. There's like it's completely like his his ball. Like he they should literally put his like logo on that ball at this point. Um all right, so let's let's go through our review real quick. because uh, we get we we don't want to go. Could you imagine? Can I just throw this out for a second? TOC this week. Seven, 17 man 17 man step ladder with a show on Friday at 10 p.m. two shows Saturday 7:30 and 9:30 p.m. right so probably 4 hours of bowling Saturday night rob can you imagine if these matches on this 17 man step ladder are anything like the the three matches we saw in this step ladder i mean come on like this this has the potential to be like falling asleep boring bowling uh, on these Friday and Saturday night shows, man, you know, like Imagine a step ladder, a step ladder does not guarantee entertaining action. Okay, I'm sorry, like it just doesn't. I want EJ Tackett to qualify 17th and run the 17 man ladder with a Venom Shock. <laughs> that would be amazing. Would I be wonder amazing. what kind of odds we could get on that. That would be some. That would be some I great believe, odds. I love when we talked about this earlier. The 17 man, the most ridiculous, dopey format ever. In the PBA history. Um, uh, all right, anyway, let's let's okay. do our rundown. Uh, ride with, not ride with. Who are you taking? You know, I love this. It's a wrestling. It's a wrestling. But my brother hit it on the nail on the head. It's like being number one at the Royal Rumble. <laughs> dude, that is the best. Uh, dude, it's it like is. Blair coming out number one and lasting two hours to, to win the shot at the WrestleMania. Yeah. But I love it. Um, okay, let's go through. I see you, Haas. I see. Oh, I see you, Haas. Okay. This was a pretty easy one for me. Cody Shoemaker. Cody Shoemaker. I see you, Hoss. I, I bowled some events that he's bowled. He, he's good. He throws it good. He bowls the East Region. Uh, shows up at some of the scratch events that I bowl, sure. sport events I bowl around the area. Okay. Yeah, local guy. Always nice to see a local guy make a run. And, man, he made a run at it. He made a run at it this week. Right. He was he was high up there. So, Cody Shoemaker from Sweep the Rack. We see you, Hoss. The Shoemaker. I like, I've always liked that. What name. a last name. Do you think at one point his family was actual shoemakers Probably. and that's how they ended up with that last name? I would imagine, right? You know, maybe one day they'll, they'll someone from a bowling ball company would be like the ball maker. That would be their last name. I don't know. Um. Anyway. Uh. Okay. Let's do you want to do ride with, not ride with. Yeah. Ride with, not ride with. Who you got? Who am I riding with? Okay. Well, good. I probably, after my previous comments about 20 minutes ago, he's probably not going to want to ride with me, but uh, I want to ride with Maldonado. Um, I think okay. he didn't even expect to be in the ladder listening to his interview, uh, and he made some moves. Uh, funny uh, comment he made in one of his interviews that he was bowling, uh, I believe, with a motive staffer. I'm not sure who it was. It could have been even EJ Taka watching them throw a venom shock, and he made the joke where he – switch to his radical uh, ball that is comparable to the Venom Shock. Uh, and he he like hinted towards the Rattler, you know, how 
there's like this inside thing of like the Rattler and the Venom Shock being similar. And like that was like how he started really bowling well as he would transition from his Purple Hammer to his Rattler. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to ride with uh, Sean Maldonado. Uh, and I, I want to, uh, you know, would like to hear his thoughts on making the show. And, and, and While you ride with him, you're going to tell me throws it like shit. Yes? No, That's I, what the conversation's going to be. That It's just awkward. He just has an awkward style that makes me cringe every time he throws it. I mean, it's just my personal opinion and preference. All right. My ride with is Matt Russo. Good week. Yeah, just, missed the, just missed the show. Uh, had, you know, had, coming, on, coming off Rookie of the Year two years ago, hasn't had that great of a year thus far. Uh, really, really bowled well this week. Was at the top of the standings every time I checked. Just just missed out on that in the last block. So I'm going to ride with him. I think it would be a good ride. He's, he, he, he's got to have a, a positive attitude uh, going into the Tournament of Champions here, I would think. Yeah. Uh, you know, I thought originally that we were going to see at least one lefty to two lefties make the show this week, just previously. So uh, that's it's where my money it. was. It's where my money was. My money was with the left-hand side, so I lost out. Which is where my not ride with is going with. Okay. I'm not riding with Jesper Svensson. I, I think Ooh. he actually had a disappointing week, okay. if you ask me. I, I really believe he won in this building previous, right, uh, in 2022. I expected more out of Jesper this week. Uh, I expected him to be at least a top 10, to be honest with you, a top five. Uh, and I think winning previously, and usually this is a, a show or, or a tournament Jesper makes a run in, and, and he didn't, I believe, finished 13th. So he wasn't even in the final 12, I believe. So, yeah, bad week for Jesper, in my opinion. Even 13th is nothing to sneeze at. But you win in that building previously, you, you probably expect to make a run. Uh, I'm not riding with Ronnie Russell. I'm yeah, not riding he, with Ronnie he Russell. Week, right? He he had a bad week. Uh, yeah. Very, you know, I I, I like his I like his uh, his entertainment on Twitter that he that he 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 does put He's some honest. entertaining. He's, he I is. Like, I like his honesty. On. Yes, like yes. On but yeah, he had a tough week. And the other reason I have to factor in here is like. No offense, I just hate country music. And, like, I know they're going to be riding with some good old boy country music in that car. So I'm out on that. It's going to make the ride even worse. You know, we're probably going to be listening to some downtrodden songs about getting divorced and drinking some buds and hanging out with your dog or something. And, yeah, it's just not my thing. So uh, with the bad bowling combined with the country music, you know, he's probably he probably sings along with the country music too because he, he does his own performance thing. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, like, I, I can't. I just – I can't. I got to be out on that. So, I'm not riding with him. Sorry. I would like to play golf with him, though. He's an amazing golfer. That's what I hear. Um, You know, that would be fun. Uh, I'm actually – I don't mind country. I, I've learned to deal with it uh, more than, than I actually like it. Milk Carden. Parker Bone, right? I mean – Yeah, he's been bowling, though. He has been. Uh, it's not surprising to see him out there. I'm going. He, I'm going. Milk Carton, Tom Smallwood, bro. Really, Tom Smallwood. Like when we haven't seen Tom Smallwood's name near the near the top of the standings in quite some time. Yeah. I feel like he's been missing for a minute, and this week he was he was there. He was not yeah, only near I the top him. of the standings. He was it looked like he was going to make the show for a minute. 
I had him. At, I had him. Uh, I had a little bit of money. I had about five bucks on him at plus thirty three hundred. So I saw him making a little bit of a run there for a second. I'm like, dude, let's go, Smalls, my guy, Saginaw, Michigan, represent. Um, yeah, no, he, 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 Smallwood has especially on a higher scoring condition. Smallwood is can be very good on that. Uh, just bowling with him and locally around here when the scores were high, he was always bowling very well. Uh, just due to his role and how he throws it, his, his ball carry was always very, very good. Uh, all right, dumpster diving, uh, dumpster am, diving gold medal, gold medal, Nico Francois, then took my shot, took it, yeah, from Nico, good pick, Francois, the dumpster diving gold medal. Absolutely, man. We, he hasn't had a good year uh, this year. Uh, I don't really see it, but you know, Frankie. We all know Frankie's A game is when they're really tough and the grind is out. The high scoring, tough for a guy like Frankie. The way he throws it, his style to strike with EJ Tackett. I mean, really, it's just like it's it's really hard to strike but if you get him on a us open type pattern right where we all know he's won multiple titles uh he's prone to be very good uh so you know the, the high scoring affairs don't look they're they're not good for frank's uh the way he is and the way his game is in my opinion. yeah but the scary thing about this year is that even even the us open tack at one <laughs> so like yeah. if you're a no, guy but- like francois and you're yeah. waiting around like, all right, I gotta, I gotta hit them with these tougher events. And the guy, the guy who wins the easier events is now winning the tougher events. So yeah, you're pretty much, you're pretty much up Shit's Creek. It sounds like, dude, Tackett's on a whole nother planet right now, honestly. And spare shooter, spare shooter, last category here. Uh, you know. never have a spare shooter. You don't, you don't, you don't try hard you. enough. Uh, I'm giving it to Jalen Mosley. He missed a check by four pins. Missed a check in this tournament by four pins. My man's out there grinding, bowling the PTQs. Could probably use that check. Misses by four pins. How many single pin spares do you think he missed throughout throughout the three blocks? Oh. Got to be at least one, right? All would all would take is a cut is a bad count on a on a split, and sure. you probably would have cashed. So I'm giving it to Jalen Mosley, spare shooter. Sorry, Hoss. All right, Rob. That's our wrap for this week. Yeah. Uh, we move on. We move on to the to the, to another major here, tournament of champions. Okay, <laughs> seventeen man step ladder as we talked about. Uh, four shows, four shows. Friday at ten p.m. I'll, I'll be DVR in that one. I can guarantee you. Saturday seven thirty p.m. Saturday nine thirty p.m. and then Sunday twelve p.m. Uh, let's bring up the odds, Rob. Oh wait! I wanted to bring up the top. Hold on, I brought up the long, the, the different screen here. Oh, share screen. Which one is it? I think it's four six, four six. Okay, Let's see what we got here for this week. Uh, again, Bet Rivers, Bet Rivers. If you're if you're interested in betting out there. If betting is legal in your state, you could probably access it. Uh, Bet Rivers. Okay, so we can look at whatever odds we want here, Rob. But to me, in these majors, especially the Tournament of Champions, the cream is going to rise, baby. The cream is going to rise to the top here. 
So here's so my if thought. I'm, if I'm spreading some money around, you got to be a dumbass. If you don't pick Simo or Tackett. If you don't put some money on Simo and Tackett, right? Well, that's standard. To get, you have to bait, cover your basis on, on them too right now, right? Yeah. To me, yeah. the other money, in my opinion, is going on Belmonte and Kyle Troop at plus 2,000. To me, that's where my money is going to go this week. I might throw a little bit on, uh, you know, maybe a Tommy, uh, uh, you know, or, uh, yeah, I mean, that's really it to me. Like, those are, or Dom Barrett, maybe I'll throw a little bit. But I'm staying at the top here. I'm not going to, like, be branching out for, like, huge odds on, like, plus 4,000, 5,000 odds this week. Like, I'm staying at, like, the top three or four players. Uh, I'm going EJ, Simo, Belmo, Bill, Prather, Dom. I'm putting money on all those. Yeah, uh, I'm going to have six, you know six guys. You don't like Kyle this week? Uh, it's not that I don't like Kyle. It's just I, I don't feel like he, he's he been bowling all that great as of late. Well, he hasn't. You know, he was, he was actually one of my picks for uh, not ride with. You know, just because yeah. he, I knew he was going to that NASCAR event and, like, he hasn't been bowling all that great and perhaps a break would have helped him or work on some things. But, you know, uh, no, I, I, I would probably uh, take the money that I would invest on a bet in Kyle Troop and bet it on Dom. You know, even so, e- even even though Dom's odds are not as good, you're only getting, you know, basically 10 to 1 on Dom. But, uh, you know, I, I just think that he has been bowling really good as of late, and I wouldn't be surprised. And I, I believe he has some past success in this building as well, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, yeah, I would de- I'll definitely be putting some money on him. I don't know how I'm going to spread that around. Uh, I'm probably looking at like 20 on EJ, 20 on Simo, uh, and then probably 10 on Belmo, 10 on Bill, 10 on Prather, 10 on Dom, something like that. Yeah, and I think that's safe, you know, and then uh, for the people who are listening, uh, EJ Tackett, Simo, both are plus 700. Plus Barrett, 700. Barrett, plus 1,100. Belmo's 1,100. Tiny right, Belmo, 1,100. Chris Prather, plus 2,500. You know, that's probably as 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 high of odds as I'm going to go. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, let's take a look. Page through the uh, – page yeah. through. Dom is the defending champion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so I'm I'm right there. Recent, recent good bowling. All right, let's keep. Uh, let's bring up. Yeah. Let's bring up the other pages of the odds, though. I just want to take a look real quick, yeah. just see if there's see if there's anything spicy there. See if there's anything we should be interested in at all. Let's see. You know, Kevin Williams. Kevin. Kevin Williams. Kevin Williams. I could. He's 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 got some some swag, man. Like I could definitely picture him coming out of nowhere to win a major, especially if the left is good. Uh, Is Pete Weber bowling? He is, yeah, he is. Dude, how about – here's a name that we haven't seen. Mike Mike Devaney, right? I know he started bowling again. I'm, I'm, you know, friends with him on social media. Smallwood's still at plus 10,000 even with that week he had last week. That's an interesting one too, 100 to 1 on Smallwood. I don't know, man. I might have to to throw five five bucks on that. My only – my only call out on this list is look how far look how um far Oscar has fallen. I know, I know, right? My guy's plus fifteen thousand. How is that? You feel? I mean, you feel like he should be he should you know he should be somebody that's like making shows all the time. 
So if I was going to pick a few pros from this list that I would put money on, Small would be one of them after coming off a ninth finish, right? I feel like he's if you're you know he's bowling really well right now. Uh, I would probably look at Jason Sterner. You never know when Sterner is going to like be you know be there. He's always kind of in there too. He's made major shows, uh, and you know someone like Ryan Simonelli is very interesting because if he has it. He'll he he he'll win. You know what I mean, right? So that's where if I was going to put some money uh, on here, what uh, about Carson like, Hansen? Carson Hansen. Carson Hansen, right? Um, so like he 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 was the guy who came over here briefly, like bowled really well, whacked him, and won a title, and then really hasn't been heard from very much since. Uh, so yeah, I, I might I might throw a five or a fiver on him too. You know, it wouldn't surprise me to see one of these foreign guys come out of nowhere and make a run. Dude, Walter's bowling, huh? Walter, Pete. Uh, there's a well, lot it's of the tournament of champions, bro. It's the tournament of champions. You know, the goats come out. Cars. A lot of milk cars next week to choose from. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Okay. So, yeah. so you know, we'll we'll obviously we're going to be on on Thursday. So we'll be on during one of the last blocks of uh of match play. And four shows this weekend, so we'll have a lot to talk about on Sunday when we go live with the with the four shows. I'm sure there'll be a lot of uh, content and material. But uh, TOC this week, you know, can't wait, can't wait to watch the action. Yeah, I'd be curious to what um, bet Rivers to you. Uh, I I actually sent you guys some snapshots where you could actually bet one on one pros. So yeah, you, you can bet this person will finish higher than this person, and they both have odds. Cool. So I think like there, and you could look at like there was a bet for like EJ Tackett, Simon, who finishes higher. Uh, you're getting less than even money, so the odds aren't great on those bets. But if you're looking for like close to 50-50 action, hey, I, Bet Rivers is. I, I'm a fan. Okay, like keep. keep yeah, I have to be careful because honestly, this could turn into like a a four figure per month hobby to me, and I cannot afford. And uh, I have four figure hobbies already, and I can't, uh, I can't afford it. Can't afford another one. So I gotta, I gotta chill. I gotta, cause I'm sitting here. I started out with, I think, four bets. Now I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine bets. I just added five more bets just sitting here talking about it. So, yeah. So, the TOC, right, real quick, the format 18 games, yep. 24 games around Robin match play. And yep. then they're cutting to the most ridiculous 17-man stepladder uh, for three shows. And, hey, did I mention that the 17-man stepladder is the dumbest thing the PBA has ever done? So uh, shows Friday, Saturday, Saturday, and Sunday. Saturday at 7.30 p.m. and 9.30 p.m. Oh, so there's going to be bowling on from 7.30 p.m. to 11.30 p.m. on, uh, on Saturday. They could have done this so much. Four better. hours, four hours. Due to all those hours for shows that they have uh, for bowling, they could have done such a better job setting setting up more of drama with the shows instead of doing a step ladder, seventeen man step ladder. I mean, there are so many different ways they could. It's have lazy. Went. It's stupid. Call it what it is. It's lazy. It's a lazy. It's a lazy solution. All right. All right. Uh, Rob. While back. We we had the guys on from our family pro shop, okay, and Tim Butts from our family pro shop, uh, somebody who I've connected with outside the podcast here, uh, was was kind enough to donate some Belmo merch uh, to the show, 
and we brought him on the show and, you know, we kind of discussed what we wanted to do with it. And we decided to run a raffle uh, that will insert that will raise funds that we will in some way use to uh, support uh, a cancer, uh, a cancer research group, support group, however you want to phrase it. So uh, we have sold out of tickets. We actually sold a couple more tickets than we had planned to sell, uh, which is which is good. We'll be given a little bit more money than we had planned. Uh, but we are done with the raffle here, and I am prepared on my end to start the raffle. Now, the question I need to answer, the question we need to answer here, Rob, before we start the raffle, and I guess I should probably video it on my phone just so people people see that it's legit, uh, is do we are, are we ranking the prizes and just giving them out based on who wins first, second, third? Or, or are we allowing the, the person who wins first to choose and then second to choose and then third? No, no we're going we're gonna to set it. Okay. So, so first prize is going to be the bowling pin, obviously, right? Okay. Second prize will be the Roto Grip hat. And, and then third prize will be the Sweep the Rack rosin bag. And the same person can't win the same, like, multiple prizes, right? Or do you want to? No, once, once one person wins, that's it. One okay. win. Okay. okay. Just want to make that clear because you, easy to pick, especially people bought multiple tickets. So, right, okay. I think that's fair, right? One win, yeah. one, if one win. person won all three. I think that would be like unfair. All right, so I'm not going to bring this up on my. Uh, you got it. No one's on my screen, right? I'm just yeah. I'm going to go to the screen that I have it on. I have everybody's name who bought a ticket uh, entered into a wheel here on PickerWheel.com and uh, have them all spread out and randomized and all that. And I am going to. Spin for the first winner. Here we the go. Pin. The pin, right? The signed pin. This is for the pin. This is for the signed pin. And I'm videotaping this for my own. Uh... I hear the music. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the winner of the signed pin is Mike DiGregorio. Mike DiGregorio, uh, friend friend of mine, actually, from the uh, the, the pop bowling oh, event that I that I run. The fix is in already. I know, I know. But listen, he was also the the highest ticket buyer. Ah, he was also okay. the highest ticket buyer. It wasn't even close, actually. Uh, so, all right, that's first prize. All right, here we go. Second prize. So, if Mike D comes up again, uh, we spin it again. Let's see. Here we go. Second prize. Here we go. Here we go. It's spinning. It's spinning. I want to thank everybody for their support too. Who bought tickets? It was that was awesome. All right, second prize is. Podcast regular Tim Sorrell. Nice Tim, Tim Sorrell, second Tim. prize. Okay. So yes. Tim Sorrell gets the autographed Roto Grip hat, uh, auto grip autographed from Belmo. All right. Here we go. Third prize, sweep the rack rosin bag, uh, worst of the week rosin bag, autographed by Belmo. Here we go. Ooh, maybe I'm I spinning. Want I want you that. have no entries. You have no entries in this. Well, I thought I, I we were we can't win our own thing. I, Thought we were default in our own raffle. Third winner is Stephen Crabtree. Stephen Crabtree winner. So that's our three winners. Uh, we want to thank everybody for for kicking in dough to help us do some good and uh, help our family pro shop do some good. Uh, want to thank Tim Butts from our family pro shop uh, for you know reaching out to us. I mean you know like I said we linked up outside of here. We went to the Went to the training center, practiced a little bit. I've talked to him a few times since then, uh, but you know, really, a really nice gesture on his on his part 
to uh, bless us with that memorabilia. And, uh, you know, obviously, like, we wanted to try and do uh, something something good with it. All right. So uh, we will email the winners. I'll reach out to the winners uh, through email this week. Get your address. Uh, make sure we got all your information correct, and I'll get that stuff shipped out to you guys. But, uh, again, thanks for the support. And uh, once we donate the money, uh, we will update everybody and let you know uh, where that went and, and what, what cause we decided to put that to. I still have to uh, confirm that with the guys from our family over in PA. So I'm uh, I'm waiting on an answer back from them on that. But all right. All right, Rob, we ready to give the people what they want? Yes, sir. By the way, great cause, Mike. Good job on getting that set up. That's amazing. No doubt. Hi, Rob. Worst of the week. I got a good one, though. This is a video that I got uh, sent to me uh, by my brother. Uh, actually, this was on ESPN uh, Instagram. Uh, so I'm going to share my screen here, and then I'll, I'll tell the people who are listening at home exactly what we're watching. So uh, it's called the Bowling Ball Cannon. I don't know if you saw this, Mike. No, I have not. But it was on ESPN. See, ESPN, their official Instagram. And I'm going to play it, and then I'll talk about what exactly we saw. It's a lot of people. Whoa. Whoa. So essentially, what I just showed was a video of, it looks like it was somewhere in Asia uh, of uh, people who made a bowling ball cannon or slingshot or whatever you want to call it. And they literally had probably what, Mike, seven to 10 people pulling on this ball. And then they literally cut a rope and they, sl they slingshot the ball into tried to do it into the pins but it hit the masking unit above it yeah like blast the masking unit and uh yeah and then they had some like surprise look on their face like i can't believe this just happened uh you know so that's my worst of the week i don't know who to give that to maybe espn for actually like sharing that on their instagram so this will be the first ever time in the history of sweep the rack where espn is getting worst of the week uh, for putting something this dumb on their Instagram. Um, yeah. If now, if it would have been a lot better if they would have put a person into that slingshot and then slingshot like a person into the masking unit. To me, that would have been a little bit more entertaining than the bowling ball, but that's just my preference. So, okay. My, uh, my worst of the week this week comes from the Motive Bowling uh, Facebook page. Okay. And, and it's, I'll be honest, my worst of the week is not so much the post itself. It's, it's the, it's the, it's the information that I gathered from the picture in the post that I, it's why I'm giving it worst of the week. So, uh, this post is by Richard Very. Uh, congratulations, Richard. You've won worst of the week here at Sweep the Rack. Congrats, brother. Uh, he says, his, so his post is standings from a tournament. 
okay, to tournament standings. And he posts Mercury pattern today. Rough second game, sixth. Okay, that was his post. Mercury pattern today, rough second game, sixth. All right, here were his games. Richard Very, 278, 190, 274, 214, 242. Okay. Here's the winner's games. He was sixth. He was <laughs> he was sixth. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Here's the winner's games in this tournament. Don't know where it is. Don't know what the deal is, but here's the winner's games in this tournament. Are you ready? 286, 268, 278, 279, 268. 1379 for five. 379 over for five. Son, bad second game. You need, according to what first place bold, you had a bad every game. <laughs> you, had a, you had a bad every game. I mean, yeah. dude was 379 over for five games. You're like 130 over for five. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness gracious. 379 over for five. And the post says Mercury pattern. Mercury, remind me never to bowl on Mercury pattern, okay? Remind me that when I see that on a tournament flyer to run the other way. Holy shit. Yeah. All right, let me pull up here. Let's be clear, yo. Something shouldn't be called a pattern. All right. If if somebody if somebody goes three hundred and seventy nine over for five, don't call that shit a pattern. All right. Just call it easy. Modified okay. house pattern. No, That's don't it. even call it modified. Just call it easy. Oh, they were super easy. That's all you have to say. Oh. I know a lot of modified house patterns that were easier than regular house patterns. So oh, I, I love when the modified house pattern gets announced. All right, Mike, final thoughts. Uh, so Jeff Riggles on his 11frame.com blog put a story up uh, on March 10th. So this was two days ago about Bolero Corp uh, reveals in an SEC filing that uh, the EEOC alleges it has a pattern of practice of age discrimination. So essentially uh, what I pulled out of Jeff's story, who did a good job here, uh, you know, publishing this is that 64 workers for uh, Bolero are demanding, uh, I believe it's $48 million in compensation based on uh, uh, complaints that alleged Bolero then with Bullmore AMF back in 2017, fired staff who didn't meet attractiveness standards. Oh, I got to read this paragraph from Jeff. The Post wrote that in its greedy bid to make strikes and spares cool again, the largest recreation bowling company in the world threw out its aging average Joe staff for trendy, attractive new hires, even hosting beauty contests on Skype to hire the best-looking, hippest candidates, ex-employees say. Mike, now, it's a long way from... uh, 
the people that I used to uh, work the snack bar and bowling centers when I was growing up uh, with the hairnets, you know, and uh, hey, I was. Yeah, that's what that's what snack bars were good, though. Yeah, that's oh, when you could go to the snack bar for dinner. Chicken filet. Like, get, a good, oh. get a good meal. Get a good Woo. meal at the Bowling Alley snack bar. Oh, now it's all just baby. some now it's all just some teenager putting yeah. putting something in a microwave. Dude, the hairnet lady back in where I grew up, um, she was the best. Uh and if anybody uh you know had a pleasure of bowling at Maple Lanes in Brooklyn, they had one of the best bowling snack bars. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, Mickey Kleber, uh, she was an amazing woman. Uh, she worked there for, for years and would make the meanest chicken parm and chick chicken filet sandwich you could ever, ever ask for. I look forward to it every day in high school when I, I would have to go there and bowl and practice. Um, but, uh, for this Bolero lawsuit, right? Uh, I mean, Bolero, you can go about this. In a, in a better way. I mean, there's a lot of restaurants like Hooters and Twin Peaks and you name it, right? Where they obviously have some kind of standards that they're bringing in to work, right? At their yeah, but see the the problem with those with the problem with that comparison is that those places are doing it from the jump, whereas Bolero was coming in and they had bought these already existing businesses. That you know probably probably had a lot of people working for them that didn't fit the image that Bolero is looking for. You know, Bolero's coming in; they're redoing these centers. You know, sexy neon lighting and LOL and wow on the walls, and they're putting cars in the in the in the settee and you know bars all over the place. You know, I mean, come on, do you think they want? You know, you think they want Karen? From from uh, from the Karen, the great local women's bowler uh, who manages the bowling center for the last twenty years, you think they want her as the one running their center? No, they they you know they want people working in there that are young, good looking, trying to you know fit the image with which they're trying to turn the centers into. You know they have they have deer antlers on a bowling ball with a human body. Like, come on, you, you're going for a certain image here. You can't just have anybody running the show. Bolero, you can't just fire people or get rid of them because they don't fit your attractive standards, okay? Um, you can't just – you can't do that. Like, so no. uh, it's just – But it seems like that's what they did. I mean, that's what it's saying seems, anyway. It seems like that's what the lawsuit was filed. I had heard so. a lot about this. I had heard a lot about this, but then I got to say, like, I, you know, I'm very familiar. I bowl in Bolero centers, and like, I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't seem to me that they're like. Who am I? You know what? I'm not even going to say it. I'm not even going to say it. Who am I? Holy shit! I got to check myself. I got to check myself. But, but I'm just saying, like, you know, it doesn't. I don't know. What were they going for? It doesn't seem to me like they accomplished their objectives unless I'm missing something. I don't know. Are they trying to do – remember I had the bowling ball – a bowling center idea, remember, years ago where I wanted to combine the strip bar and the bowling center? Right, right. That? I wanted yes. to put cage dancers on the lane, <laughs> yes. lap dances in a sexy area. Yeah. Is this where we're going, Bolero? Is this what you want? Like, dude, when I go to a bowling center, I don't – you know, look, like if the waitresses are good-looking – Hey, I'm all about it, right? I'm a single guy. I, I'm, I'm all for it. But, like, 
when I go to a bowling center, how about stop focusing on if your staff is attractive and let's focus on actually one, getting the bowlers tables. Okay. Two, cleaning the fucking place. Excuse my language, but right. Fixing the machines. Right. I don't care. I don't care if the mechanic looks good. (laughs) I don't care about that. I don't, I don't care if he looks good while he's sitting in the back pooping in a box. To me, that means nothing to me. The guy's got to be able to fix the lane and fix it the right Mike, way. How about this? I want handles on the bathroom bowl, uh, on the bathroom doors. Okay. Clean seti areas, clean lanes, um, tables for people could sit in. How about bowling prices for like games that are reasonable? Right. I don't give a shit what a bowling, what the staff looks like. Okay. I, I, as a bowler, I want the bowling center to be clean and be actual where you could actually afford the practice. So anyway, I just, I want, I want, I actually want to go the other direction with it. And I want the older rough woman at the front desk, you know, like that. I'm sure you had a few of them in Brooklyn. We had quite a few of them in Philly who would, who would keep the open bowlers in their place. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like she knew who 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 would the king of the bowling center was. It's the league bowlers. It's the people that are here all the time. And when these when these recreational bowlers step out of line, she'd be the first one to put them in their place. Get on the microphone and say, "Don't go, don't go down the lane, jackass." Okay. So <laughs> I like, miss those. they uh, they but those people that would work there full time that were there, you knew. Like I, I could name those, you know, type of ladies that were working at where I grew up. You knew exactly what time they were working. Set, you know, they they yep. like nine to five, right? Yep. You knew when you talked to them, they were going to give you, you know, a dollar game or even yep. turn the lanes on for free. You yep. know, and and it, those were that's what made growing up in a bowling alley so special. Were those people that worked there? You know, and always the the the, the janitors of the bowling centers were always the funniest people. Right. You could always count on a, a laugh with the janitors, right? The and you don't have that anymore. You're right. You know, yeah. you know, like, but you know, I, but I, I'm just saying, you know, like when I walk into a Bolero Center, the last thing I think is, man, this place and its staff are sexy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like literally the last thing I think. Honestly, uh, it doesn't even come to mind. I'm never anyway. like, man, man, this so, is just like a, this is like a C and B scene place over here, you know. Oh my God. It's too much. All right. My final thought, my final thought is just, uh, is just TOC this week, TOC this week, you know, looking forward to it. Uh, a couple small tournaments in a row. It was nice. Uh, you know, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the TOC. You know, I'm looking forward to this major, even though it's a 17 man step ladder, at least we get, I mean, Saturday night, Saturday night is like everything to me. I mean, four hours of bowling on, you know, I know again, 17 man stepladder, whatever, but you know, definitely an opportunity to sit down, relax, watch some serious bowling. I do really, and hope I, have, I appreciate that. I really do hope for the, for, I do really hope the fact that really somebody really makes it from like, even if it's in the top 10 stepladder, I want a bowler to be in the show that has climbed like one, like six or seven matches in a row. That would be the storyline behind that would be unbelievable if someone won like six matches in a row to make the final show and then climb the ladder to win. From the bowling community perspective, yeah, sure. I don't think anybody no. outside the bowling community is going to care about it. But. No, nobody. But we would love it, and I think it would. Be oh a yeah, story for that person. 
Uh, and I hope that the bowling ball companies will like hook them up for like, think about all the TV exposure they got and their equipment got from them bowling all those matches. But yeah, it'd be interesting. I hate 17 man format. Um, you know, Mike is always going to have a big spread. Uh, I will definitely have a spread Saturday night. No question. It's Saturday yeah. night. I mean, it's Saturday night. I'm home. I'm chilling. Of course, I'm going to have a spread yeah. for the show. 7.30 to 11.30. Bowling's on. Yeah, no what doubt. What channel is that, Mike? What is that? FS1? Actually, Saturday night, I might have dinner plans, honestly. Ooh. I might not even be home Saturday now that I think about that. I, yeah, I, I know. Is that FS1? Is that yeah, it's FS1. FS1. But yeah. Probably a small spread for Sunday. I don't know. Maybe maybe me and Rob will decide to go live on Sunday. I don't know. We haven't discussed, but uh, we'll talk about it throughout the week. But uh, We're already going live on Sunday night. Yeah, true, true. All right, well, listen, we appreciate everybody joining us. It was a packed show tonight, super overtime, two-hour show tonight. Uh, Carolyn Doran Ballard coming in, talk patch pirates. Great interview. Great conversation, great interview. Loved it. Uh, you know, gave you the whole rundown. Raffle winners will be in touch throughout the week this week. All right, so so keep in touch on that. And uh, listen, we'll see everybody Thursday. All right, we'll see everybody Thursday night in the midst of in the midst of some uh, some TOC match play. Yeah, hey, click the like button, subscribe, uh, help us out. Uh, more people click the like button, the more the videos get out to. And shout to Nico for t- giving us a tip, bro. Nico, Nico, give me. Give me, send me your address, bro. DM me yeah. your address. I got yeah, something for him, you, bro. Let's get Nico Rosenberg. I got something for you, bro. I appreciate right. that. You're the man. Appreciate right. that very much. We don't need it, though. It's all good. All Guys, right. thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. As I always say, I can't believe anybody listens to our nonsense, but we appreciate all of you right. tuning in with us and, uh, and kicking it here with us. Shout to all the haters as well, baby. Haters. Shout to all the haters. Always haters. shout to the haters. You know what I'm saying? Keep it coming. Yeah. Keep all spreading right. the word. Keep, keep we, we appreciate the support. We'll see everybody Thursday night. Later. You are now listening to Sweep the Rack Podcast featuring Brooklyn Rob and Big Mike.